Distinguished adventurers, welcome to Magic and Metal. This is something new. This is something we are doing in between the Distinguished Adventurers Campaign 1 and the upcoming Campaign 2. We've got a lot of stuff coming for Campaign 2, but in the meantime, we've got a lot of cool stuff now. We're just cool all over. Has Potato already come out yet? A potato would have already come out. Potato! Hey! If you haven't listened to our Potato episodes, you should do that. Uh, I don't know how many there are because I this is past Jonathan. I am going on the assumption it is going to be one episode because I don't know about all of you, but when I played Potato, it's a short game. Like 15 oh, I gotta, minutes. I got it. I'll probably I took 30 minutes for mine. That's fine. Uh, it did not That's go fine. well for my character. <laughs> That's fine. You know what? If it goes if it goes long, it's not a big deal, but I'm figuring it's going to be one episode. So. I did a lot of embellishment, guys. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This I still have good. to play with Luke so that we can uh, have that for the Patreon. But anyway. Uh, anyway. Uh, anyway, so potato episodes. Yes. Uh, episode. Our potato show was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you. F- Oliver, uh, Oliver Darkshire, Darkshire. who Death by Badgers on Twitter for as long as Twitter is alive. If Twitter <laughs> is still standing by the time you hear this, Death by Badgers, uh, Oliver Darkshire, thank you so much for the awesome game. And we are continuing on to the next awesome game that uh, I and everyone else here are new to. Uh, it is Kids on Brooms, which is a variant of Kids on Bikes. The rules are very similar, except... While Kids on Bikes invokes the nostalgia of the 80s and running around suburban neighborhoods on your bike, solving mysteries and such, Kids on Brooms invokes a different sort of nostalgic fantasy, one of kids and magic and castles and brooms and definitely no turfs. No turfs. Fuck turfs. turfs. Fuck that shit. So. Mm -hmm. Although AstroTurf is okay. Astro no, AstroTurf sucks. <laughs> yeah, dude. Kind of okay. AstroTurf is awful. Like, it is great for, like, if you like, in fucking Texas and you have to have the green lawn because your landlord is a dick. Great. Okay, that makes we sense. Have... If you're not playing football, I guess it's fine. Oh, have you ever had to play, actually, any sport? I guess football because you get tackled a lot. Like, uh, there's, when I was playing field hockey, they had just introduced these on a like college level these these turf fields that had little bits of like recycled tire ground up in them field yes if you ever fall down at any velocity on that shit it's like having an entire layer of skin scraped off your body and then the little black shit gets in your socks and like never comes out it's gritty and it gets everywhere. Yes. <laughs> the only sport I've played on field turf was paintball, which necessitates head to toe. Your sleeves are, or you have full sleeves, you have full pants. And let me tell you, I have never had more fun than playing on field turf because when you slide on that stuff, you slide forever. Now, it is so much fun. I would like you to imagine you aren't wearing head to toe gear. It's oh, yeah, North Carolina yeah. in July. And Ugh. so you're wearing shorts and a sports bra and you are wearing like your tall socks and your shin guards because you don't want to get hit in the shins with a field hockey ball at velocity and then you fall and and then you just get up and walk off and go i'm never coming back on this this field again and then half of your thigh is gone but, but if, to, if you if you, this happens to you in kids on brooms no, okay. you could just heal it. It. it it's fine so that is what we are here to discuss this is our Semi-official session zero for Magic and Metal, our Kids on Brooms uh, game. It's new to me, too. And I'm the one having to run this. Yes. So one of the unique things about Kids on Bikes and Kids on Brooms is the collaborative world building. I have a story that uh, everyone is going to help tell. And depending on what happens, we may not get to things that are supposed to happen or they might just happen. We'll see. But there are going to be some collaborative elements to this. Kids on Brooms takes place in a magical world uh, set aside from humanity. But for reasons that we're about to get into, those worlds are about to collide. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. For the moment, we are focused on our four protagonists and their relationship to their immediate school. Their immediate school being the Roanoke Academy of the Arcane. I would just like to step in and say I deeply appreciate the Roanoke reference. 
And now I'm going to ruin everybody's fun by telling you that the lost colony was never really lost. No, and they, that there's they. very great archaeological <laughs> and DNA evidence to the fact that they integrated with the local indigenous people who saved their lives. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> true. That said, this, you know, this is a zoomed out. There was still mystery around Roanoke. And who knows, in our world, yeah. in, in this little world that we're creating, one of the reasons why they were they left is because uh, some weirdos moved in and yeah. built, built a little school. So this is a little bit more like Franklin Expedition, <laughs> where it's just like the indigenous people were like, we don't like you. And so we're not going to help you. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> for those of you who are not from Canada, the Franklin Expedition was a famous expedition to uh, find a Northwest Passage, and it failed. And then, of course, they were lost, and they obviously have found the ship since then. But the idea, once again, people were like, oh, no, they're lost. And it's like, you actually had these oral histories that indigenous people passed down that kind of basically in the Arctic, they were like, well, the first time he came, he kidnapped our family members. And so when he came back and he didn't understand that we don't stay up here when it gets really cold, we move. We decided we would leave those assholes to die. Like, it's literally like the indigenous people are like, yeah, who's to say where they went? Like it's a mystery. It's complete. <laughs> Who knows? If only if only they hadn't been assholes to if us. Only, if only when we were like welcoming and we greeted them with goodwill and trust, they had responded by not kidnapping people. We would have maybe thought about how yeah, it's like these people like ate their shoes. It was like not a good time and they deserved it. But you know who doesn't deserve it? You guys. Yeah, so, hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not. How kids are we? Yeah, I'm assuming like young adult children. Like 13, like kids, 14? Like college kids -ish. Again, this is going, again, this is up to you because in both sets of rules, there are three age groups that you can be. And this is actually a good oh. uh, jumping off point for hey. what you want to be. In our particular uh, edition, I will go ahead and bring it up here. There are actually... Three types of characters that you can be. You don't necessarily have to be a uh, uh, a kid. You can actually be uh, in the faculty. So, uh, for your age, we have three three choices. You can be an underclass student where you are fourteen years old or younger. You can be an upper class student, uh, fifteen to twenty. So. Anywhere from the high school to college, it's nebulous. You can kind of choose what you want. Or you can be a faculty and you are 21 or older. You're, you're an adult. So you could be any of these ages. You could all be faculty members if you like. I've been referring to you all as kids. But if you don't want to be kids, you don't have to be. And it kind of fits into the... If, you, if everyone were faculty, then uh, that would make certain elements of this story a little easier to digest, but the situation is dire enough and affects everyone enough to where if you are a under or upperclassman, it's fine. Uh, the three uh, different grades do get different traits. Uh, you, you are going to have a number of strengths that your character has in addition to your stats, which we will get to in just a second. So if you are an underclass student, you receive uh, that. Okay, sorry, it's just innocence. When rolling stat checks, uh, we will get to what stat checks do. Underclass students add plus one to their flight and charm checks. They are fast and likable. I love that. It's like, oh, you're so cute. Yeah, and exactly. Like, lucky and exciting. It's like when you're a young girl and you're very smart, you're precocious. And then when you age over 11 you're a bitch <laughs> that's how this is that's great i love that they have really put reality into it. so if you are an underclassman what you also need to do is come up with your favorite class but we'll say the name of the professor who teaches that class uh so we're going to get a bunch of other professors in here that you guys are going to be adding hmm. also and maybe more importantly i've already talked to several of you about this but uh jules and jack uh, you guys, uh, we'll get to what Lauren and John chose here in just a second. You guys need to choose a house. So I have not created any houses 
for the Roanoke Academy of the Arcade. Well, that's the problem, Jonathan. We are in a housing crisis. <laughs> you're, you're wizards. You can make houses. I'm also, sorry. I... also in the well, there's a big housing crisis where you are playing, and we will get to that. Uh, why there is dun, a dun, dun. major housing crisis in 2040, where this game takes place. Dun dun dun. Hmm. There is sorry. a major housing reference. crisis. We will get there. So, since John and Lauren kind of have already chosen at least the mascot for their house, we'll go to them first. Lauren, please tell me the animal mascot of your house. So for a completely different game, I was doing a little bit of research about insects and scorpions, and I discovered this fun fact about scorpions. You shine a black light on them, they glow in the dark, and they are neon when they glow in the dark. So when Jonathan said, go ahead and pick a North American creature for your house, I went, well, I want to be a scorpion. So I've specifically chosen a bark scorpion, which is indigenous to the American Southwest, uh, the United States area Southwest. And the bark scorpion that will be portrayed in my house will be a normal bark scorpion. I just want you all to know, in the case of a black light, they glow neon green. Well, black light is something that you can make from your wand in addition to normal yes. uh, wavelengths of light. So that sure. Yeah, everyone's going to have the light cantrip. So... Uh, that's the other thing about and the this. black light cantrip. Well, uh, you, it's still the light cantrip. You just choose. You just you know set a little a slider or a little knob to to turn it to different frequencies. Okay, so another aspect of this and something that is classically in this sort of fiction is so you have your house. Uh, what makes you a member of this house? What are the traits that you have that were particularly appealing to the sorting boots? Uh, that uh, that you stepped in on the first day of the Roanoke Academy <laughs> of the Arcade. Uh, and Wait, what, hold on. Why... Did Lauren step in a sorting boot and go, oh, fuck, and there was a scorpion in there? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, that's kind of where I was going. The sorting, <laughs> the sorting boot is mysterious and, and literally speaks to everyone in different ways. So yes, sometimes there is a, a creature in the boot Sometimes it simply tells you or makes the sound of the boot. Uh, the the sorting boots are real weird. Okay, so I think you end up in the scorpion house. There's a there's an idea of that you are deadly, but it's the kind of deadly where it's it's very precise and very calculated because scorpions are kind of sneaky that way, and they're not vicious as much as they just you just don't mess with them. So I think those that end up in the, the bark scorpion house are, they probably specialize in offensive magic. They probably specialize in also going a bit more unseen, that kind of thing. Excellent. So not necessarily like thief kind of going unseen, but, but yeah. Well, the other person that had put a lot of thought into this and was very enthusiastic about it is John. John. Why don't you tell me about the animal mascot of your character's house? So I was originally thinking, oh, I was, I was living in Texas. I was thinking, maybe I'll do like armadillo. And then Lauren was like, oh, I'm going to do a Southwest animal. I'm like, cool. I'm going to go with my second one, which is the raccoon. Go trash pandas. <laughs> so your character, who is yet unnamed. Uh, oh, no, I'm actually in the thing. Naming oh, you him. are? Ah, well, why don't you <laughs> tell me your name now? My character uh, is Alfredo or Fredo Branzini. Okay. That's a name. Uh, Lauren, we didn't actually mention this. What is your character's name? My character is Maureen Eddings, which is does not rhyme at all. Sorry. John, what makes Fredo Branzini a paragon of Raccoon House? Well, Fredo, like the raccoon, is very clever, crafty, and tenacious. You know, and although raccoons can kind of be problematic, they're also very charismatic, like Fredo and the rest of his family. Excellent. Okay. Now, I don't want to put uh, Jules and Jack on the spot yet, unless you guys have... I have a character name in oh. the house. Okay. Uh, Jules, uh, what is the name of your character and what is uh, their house? So her name is Evelyn Ann Arthur. And while we were chatting <laughs> and trying to just when I was like, oh, God, I hope I didn't have to do anything. So I was considering several things. I really, 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 really thought I would pick the Waccamaw Fat Mucket. <laughs> I'm sorry, the what? I have no idea what it is. I just like the name. 
You know what? We'll look that up later because it's you said you didn't pick it. It's a muscle. It's an endangered oh, okay. species. Oh, okay. Nice. I was nice. the endangered species list and went. <laughs> and then I realized it's a great name. But uh, And then I actually did think about the possum. North America's only marsupial. Wonderful for many reasons. But actually when you had us, like when I saw that in the chat, like actually my brain immediately was like Venus flytrap. Okay. Mm. The traits that this house values are patience. I think there is, this is the tri- trickery magic kind of house. Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to make Bernie again. <laughs> um, Listen, if you're having You have to get it out of your system, you know, for- I have to get out of my system. So I was just thinking things about the Venus flytrap. I think it's very like, it's a carnivorous plant and that's really fucked up if you think about it. And so I really like the idea that everybody in this house is just a little off in like maybe a good way, but also maybe a bad way. We'll say iconoclastic. Iconoclastic and and just like, very i think defensive magic probably this is like and not like less trickery and more like these people are really good at traps they're really good at defensive magic they are really good at making something look like something else disguises and and i think to a degree like this to me says like potions and poison because you have a plant that has the ability to create enzymes to digest things and has a lot of patience. And so they'll, you know, ruminate on things for a long time. So I don't know how old Evelyn is, though. I think we should decide as a group how old our characters yeah. are. That would definitely make things a bit easier on y'all because you would basically like, hey, everyone gets this. By the way, as we are going for figuring out what kind of uh, or what age our characters are. I will say that upperclassmen get the trained in strength. And so for rolling stat checks, you add plus one to their flight and brawn checks. And you're, again, favorite class and professor uh, for either the under or the uh, upperclassmen. For the faculty, they get the studied in. And for a magical trait of their choice, when they roll stats, they add plus one to their brains and grit. Grit is sort of like constitution. It's sort of like a, a general measure of toughness. Yeah, they have seen enough for the world to, to know a bit more than, uh, than anything else. And, and this is fine because in other works of magical fiction, the professors and faculty were also members of houses, even though they didn't compete in, say, the house inner house games, they still very much wore their house allegiances on their sleeves. I will also say that if you are a faculty, your favorite class is what you teach instead. Mm. Maybe maybe Mm. you come up with a, I don't know, your star pupil, what they're like there. So that way everyone has to come up with an NPC that who may show up or may not, they may get referenced to in terrible ways. Again, we're going to start with a very specific tone and it's going to just go, it's going to, I'm making a flying off in different direction uh, momentum. So I love it. we well, have I'm very happy real with this. quick. So before we get to Jack, my my question as we're mulling this over in this kind of game, is it common to have a mixture of under upper and faculty or is it more common for all of us to we're all going to be upperclassmen. We're all going to be faculty. We're all going to be underclassmen. I can't speak to other games, but in the situation that you guys are going to be in, no, it's not uncommon that you would have a mixed group. In fact, in stories like this, you would often have a professor or faculty person adventuring with students for various reasons. I mean, okay. uh, Gandalf took a bunch of hobbits who were like, you know, 0.00% of his age, probably less than that, and went adventuring with them. That's fair. But at the same time, who really was going to be as old as Gandalf? Yeah. Uh, Saruman. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was starting to raise my hand. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. no well, uh, I mean, like in that party, in that like, party. Gandalf isn't going to yeah. be able to find friends his own age, right? That's that's one of the things I don't that makes think that sad. I don't think even Legolas was that old. Legolas is pretty old, but no. No, yeah. he wasn't. Not that old. Jack, please tell me about your character, their house mascot, and their house. So 
my character's name is Grisham Vianod, so Vianod is not spelled the way it looks. It's uh, just look up on uh, in Carol, look at the top of the map, you'll see Vianod. He him. So his animal mascot or the the house mascot is the bison, nice. and for not maybe for the reasons you think. Bisons were historically like they don't really need much but other bison, right? Like they don't bother anybody. Nobody really bothers them, and yet they're so incredibly useful that um they were hunted almost to extinction. So Bison House is sort of governed by the sort of fatalism that they are set upon, they're always needed, they are sometimes exploited, but they just sort of accept it because they're needed, and if they don't step up, then then people die. That's sort of what attracted Grisham to this house, the idea that, like, you know, this is sort of, you gotta do what you gotta do with, like, the half-thumb up from Futurama, or any number of texts you want you want to choose and then so the house mascot and the house are they the same thing or is there a difference there I just want me to try so to understand it, this. you are your house is now referred to as bison house uh, and as everyone else venus flytrap house has uh, their their sort of characteristic they just go by venus house yeah and i think mine will just be scorpion house okay let's to make life that's to make life fine. easy i'll put venus in, and then flytrap in parentheses here so venus house has patience, trickery, iconoclast, and uh, potions and poison, uh, specializing in defensive magic. Scorpion House, uh, deadly, but precise and calculated. More uh, stealth, unseen, offensive magic. Actually, we'll, we'll come back to, uh, to Bison House. What is Raccoon's House sort of magic speciality? And if there's overlap, that's fine. You know, it, it's okay. You just be the sneaky academy. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, they a little bit of uh the stealth uh for the would be the raccoon I would say probably also charms. Okay. Charm charms okay. would be good for them because they they, they are, are very charming. charming. What else would be a good third one? You would you had mentioned crafty, which I kind yeah. of like because they are. Yeah. I mean, they've got those these grabby hands, and, and they, then they, they wash the food. Yeah. And then, they, then you give a piece of cotton candy and they wash it and it goes away and they get really sad. Mm-hmm. As you Aww. should. So uh, coming back to Bison House. Uh, so I kind of put them as uh, supportive, uh, we'll say. They're the healing say, house? Yeah, healing magic. Okay. Healing buffs. The buff, buff, you know, buffs, I think would be also be good. Uh, so maybe not, not ma- magic that you would use on other people to, to make them better. Okay. So yeah, I'll put supportive healing buffs, and if you if you do have, do come up with anything, feel free to during session one or uh, episode one, you know, expand on it. Sure. As well, you I would say let's go ahead and decide what age groups you your characters are going to be. Your house has all of the different age groups in it. Well, maybe not at this point. Again, we will get to that. Uh, we'll start with I haven't talked to them in a little while. Uh, Lauren. Maureen Eddings. She her? Yes. Okay. She her. So I'm leaning towards upper class, and some of it is related to who I think Maureen is. Some of it, it might be a little bit metagamey or a little bit um sheesh, min-maxy. And some of it is just I feel like I'm always a little nervous actually playing kids, even mm-hmm. though like I know this is a kids, this is Kids are in so this kids game. Kids are like, literally all kids yeah, on like, rooms. It's fine. I signed. I signed up for this. So, but I I know I've I've always been a little uncomfortable. But it feels like I shouldn't be playing a faculty if I'm here for the kids. So upper class kind of sounds right to me because not only do can Maureen be you know eighteen nineteen. Uh, so still very, very, very young. Kid, depending on your age group, you know, Lauren would probably look at an 18-year-old and be like, ah, oh, yeah, kid, get <laughs> off my lawn. But I also like if if they're going to be essentially offensive, the offensive magic people, fight and brawn is appealing. So that all kind of came together, and I'm going to say upper class. All right. Well, let's uh, let's keep going uh, in the order that I have everyone in this Zoom call, which is completely random. So... Uh, Jules, for Evelyn Ann, uh, she, her? Yeah, she, her. I'm sort of with Lauren on this. I really think that if we're playing something called Kids on Brooms, we need to be children in some way, shape, or form. So I think I would put Evelyn in the upperclassmen category, but mm, teenager. Yeah, this is like, I feel like this is high school-ish. Okay. 
All right. And continuing down the randomly uh, determined order of my Zoom call uh, listing is Jack. For Grisham of Bison House, what grade is he in? I'm going to go with upperclassmen as well. I just, every time I think of Grisham and think of Bison House, I think of the kids from the South Lawn at my old high school, Mm -hmm. where they're just sort of out there. They're all brilliant. I went to a magnet school, so it's full of smart kids. But then not just because you're smart doesn't necessarily mean you're A, well-adjusted, or B, super motivated to overachieve, right? Like, I just sort of see him as existing and being like using what he knows to get by, but like not really being terribly interested in it. I, I got to say, and I love this, when you were describing Bison House, and one of the things you talked about was that idea of fatalistic. And I've been circling around that in my head about like, what would, what kind of magic and what kind of ethos would a fatalistic house have? And like, I'm fascinated by this. I think it's super cool. Well, I think that I was looking at the stats. I think grit was right at the top of my list. I'm not sure how that aligns to like being a supporter or whatever. But in terms of grit, I think of, when I think of grit, I think of survival. And bison mm. are survivors, you know. They went through quite a bit, and uh, they managed still here. to bounce back. Exactly, exactly. And I think when I think of that house, I think it's like, well, we we endure, right? Like, we we survive, you know? It's sort of like, there's a sort of stoicism baked into it, I feel like. And I'll try to be more emotive than, uh, than oh gosh, what was his name again? From the one game, uh, Strabo. Strabo Chansu. Yeah. Who said next to nothing. Yes. Please, we want more Jack in, in I games see him that I run. Is more surly than Travancore was. I think surly's the right word. Have you ever seen a bison get angry though? I feel like they should be like I feel like there has to be some traits where it's like this house is like, yes, we're very stoic and it's just like everybody's like, well, until they get your coffee order wrong. Well, I think it's like a slow to anger kind of thing where it's like they're surly, but like there's some people like me who get anger very very easily. But then cool down very quickly. Like, I'm a good conductor, a poor conductor, how you look at it, of anger, right? But there are some people where they are slow to anger. But once they get angry, they stay angry for, for a while. And I will not say who, but they are members of my family like that. And if you are listening, you know who you are. <laughs> you know uh, who you are. I mean, they're, they're surly. They're grumpy. Like, they'll dump on you, but it takes a while to get them, like, super pissed. At least, like, that's kind of my attitude. I will it. say that one of the magical specialties of Bison House is buffs. And technically, a large person, stone skin, divine power, all of those buffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah, upper class, but I think makes the most sense. All right. And now we are in the neighborhood of Raccoon House. Uh, what is uh, Fredo's uh, grade? Well, before I knew anything about upper and low, uh, underclassmen and all that, and I was filling out the character sheet, I just thought, assign yourself an age and i put 15 so upperclassmen because upper it actually classmen. kind of fits right. with everything else because i was like <laughs> oh well i figured he was a, a cocky teenager and i could go a little younger if we were all doing kids or staying there oh this makes my job so much easier you'll find out why uh very very soon this is this is like we're playing D and all of us decide to be level five when you said you could be anything from one to ten <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's I'm, fine. I'm no, no, this is fine. Okay, I'm trying to think, and I'll let you guys uh, surprise me with things like, you know, your your favorite class and your favorite teacher. I would I would go ahead and think on that, and when when we introduce people, that will be part of your introductions. So I can't wait. You guys have already laid out your the specialties of your house, and so those specialties come from your characters in this case. Like, you know... I didn't make the the hawk house and then, oh, who fits into the hawk house? No, the all of these houses are specific to you guys. So whatever you guys are good at, you're good at. And uh, and that that can be your favorite class. Your favorite class may not be something you're good at, but you just like it. However you want to do it, it's it's real loosey goosey. The Distinguished Adventurers are huge fans of Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and more. Every week there's something new happening in the game, and it's available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on December 18th at 8 p.m. Pacific. So open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. B-E-T-E-H-A-S-K-M-I-N-K. 
So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Okay, so I think uh, that's it about about the the character creation. Now, there is something else, and I think this would kind of be fun to do. I hadn't actually planned on doing this, so I need to find the section of the book because I'm going to go ahead and moderate this. Normally, you guys would ask each other these questions, but I am going to ask them of y'all. Let's go in the other way. John. Yes. Why do some students seek out this character? Well, Fredo, we're at the Roanoke Academy. It's a, it's, it's a boarding school. We're not in our home states. You know, we're all transfers. And Fredo's the kind of kid who can get things. He knows people who knows people who knows people. He's got a family business that can acquire things. He's also really good at protecting people that need protection. Am I part of the Magic Mafia? God damn right I am. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Mm. You, you but ma- the good, the good Mafia. Yeah. The, the helpful the, Mafia. The fun Mafia. No human trafficking. <laughs> no, no. That's where we Just draw the line. stolen goods. You might be one of the last of the Mafia. Again, we'll get to that. I keep saying that, but it's true. We'll get to it eventually. There are 20 questions I've noticed, and I kind of picked that one out because that would seem fun to John. But now we are going to roll for it with this lovely rose die from uh, Long Dog Dice. Thank you very much. So, Jack, let's see what we get. 18. What is this character doing to threaten their family's reputation at their school? Oh. So I I did read it a little bit into the backstory of, of this world, and I thought to myself, well, what happens when, when immigrants come to better their lives and their existence and to have big dreams for their family, and they leave behind everything they know, and then a, two or three generations down the line, everything goes to shit, right? Damn. So, like, what would that do to a person? What would that do when they're raised with this backdrop of high expectations and, and contributing to society, and then there is no society, and there are no expectations anymore? Could you ask the question again? I'll make sure I'm, I'm answering it correctly. I got lost there in that, that moment. It was amazing to listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> Got lost in the sauce? No way. What is this character doing to threaten their family's reputation in the school? Oh, yeah. He's getting into all kinds of, like, trouble. He is only mildly interested in the academics. He, it's magic's a necessity. It's something you have to learn. It's like one of those things where it's like you're at the point in your career where it's like you want to make as much money as possible and you want to learn the skills you need to make that money, but you're not terribly invested in, in what you're doing. Per se, not like, oh, well, this is super fascinating to me. It's like, no, it's a means to an end. Wait, party boy? Party boy? Hey, Grisham? yo, bison boy, I can use a guy strong like you and my crew. Well, everybody needs something. So, so I think he's actively trying to be like, you know, he's not, he's not taking it seriously. He's just sort of coasting through it. And uh, that goes against like generations of overachieving and A plus pluses and bringing home a 98 and having the question asked to you, what happened to those two points? Mm. Good stuff. All right. Jules. Mm-hmm. Ooh, we are staying in the teens. This feels... Okay. I'm going to ask this question, and I swear to God, it is... I rolled it, well, and, rolled. and that's what we got. Okay. Why are so many students afraid of this character? <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Evelyn is smart but applies it in strange ways she wanted to go to a normal kid art school and unfortunately she was magical and so instead evelyn has decided that she will try to (laughs) live out her artistic life within magic school and she has accidentally become an influencer because she has done a series of strange installations. And so people are afraid of her because she has no filter. And when she is upset, she puts people on blast. And she has ruined... (laughs) She has canceled many people by accident, unbeknownst to her. She just wants to share her art. Uh, so yeah, she is. She has ruined the uh, social media lives of many young teens at the school over really dumb things like the 
40 umbrellas that she collected and hung in the entryway of the school after it rained one day with, you know, a kind of charm that meant that nobody could take them down. And the person who did take it down accidentally, she decided, fuck you. So she's she's not a bully on purpose, but she has ruined several people's lives on accident. And so people are like very, very nice to her, which is fine. She doesn't understand why. Okay, Everyone's on so, eggshells around her all the time. I, I feel like that's She's a mitigating like, yeah. factor. Like, like, like she is. She she goes nuclear option on people again. Uh, we'll we'll yeah. We'll come back option, to that. All only option is the nuclear. But, option. but she's not. She does. She's not malicious about it. It doesn't sound like. No, she's not malicious. She's just like she just kind of stands there. It's like she kind of stands there and she goes, huh. And then whatever version of the cell phone. And she's not supposed to have a cell phone. And that's what scares the faculty. <laughs> it's not supposed to work at all. There's a lot of reasons why it's not supposed to work. A lot of it. It's not supposed to work. And yes, it, it, she is. She just she's created within the school a, a social media a la our current time. And and she has, you know, just just completely completely ruins people's lives put a pin in that notion that uh that evelyn has a phone with 2010 to 2020 ish uh sensibilities because that's like bringing that beepers now so well well there's a reason why that that her phone working is more than more than just notable it is impossible and yet it does so once, because once she's you... magic. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. She, I know. She's... I know what the backstory kind of we're going for is. But yeah. I, just, I like. That. I like the idea that Evelyn is a terrifying kind of smart. That is not the kind of smart that you would. It's not like magic smart. She's good at magic. Like she's not some kind of like prodigy at magic. She gets really good grades. She could probably get better grades if she cared more. But. She, if her parents had let her, she is the kind of terrifyingly smart in the normal people world that a perhaps a professor of magic had has no clue what to mm. do with. And everybody's lucky that she just wants to do art. <laughs> so lastly, but certainly not leastly, we get to Lauren, who I, I rolled a nine. I'm excited and terrified for this question. What magical ability have we heard this character has? Oh, jeez. Is this, is this just anything or is it the idea? Well, you know what? Here's, here's how I'm going to do it. She's an upperclassman, so she has a wide range of abilities. But she has a specific spell. Or people think she has a specific spell or ability. That she shouldn't have at her age and her ability. She shouldn't have access to it. Nobody knows how she possibly had access to it no one understands how she uses it and it's there's i think there's a lot of people who think that she can't actually do this she's got limited time magic she's not very good at the sneaky part of her school like she loves the blowing up stuff she loves the being out there and you know precision calculated fireballs that are only going to hit certain places and and creatures and things but She's not very good at the sneaky, and so the way she's getting around the sneaky is she's figured out how to do the, let me just go back three seconds and do that again, and people people are starting to catch on. Can we have Evelyn started this rumor or blew your secret as a nuclear option one time because you knocked over something, and it's not that you hate each other, but there isn't any love lost. I'm, I'm here for it. I feel like, I like the idea that Evelyn was like, at some point videoed you doing your little three second thing and just went mm-hmm and put it on her <laughs> and was like but because mm. it's and just because it's away. a time thing when you videoed me it comes out all wonky so no one actually knows what's going on which is why it's still this rumor so you know you know there's something weird you yeah. don't know what it is but you're just gonna tell everybody and now the rumor mill is flying 
It was not no. subtle. It wasn't like that not good at mean sneaking. girls where she whispered in one like person's ear and it went. It was like she just went do 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 stories. So this is <laughs> this actually uh, segues very nicely into another part of this, which we're not going to do completely. But Evelyn and Maureen at least know each other a little bit. Let's say for Jack for. Grisham, does he know any of the other characters particularly well? I think only by reputation. I think he keeps to himself. He's he's aware of this influencer, particularly because they're using technology they shouldn't be able to. <laughs> he knows about Marine. Like, um, what was the name of John's character again? Like Giovanni Bronz- uh, Bronz- Al- Alfredo Branzini. Branzini. I thought Branzini. I remember because we had Bronzino the other day, so that's kind of similar. Anyway, call him Fredo. So yeah, yeah, Fredo's like the uh, the all-purpose, like, quote-unquote criminal element. So, yeah, I guess by association, they know each other. Okay. But, like, probably just like that, and maybe he's had one or two interactions with Fredo, because it just makes sense. Okay. Regarding Fredo, we're going we're gonna to see if we can work these in, because these questions are fun. So, yeah. So, Fredo. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Let's, let's roll for this. Let's continue the... Oh, 19. Use the pretty die. You two have somewhere secret in the school that you go to that you think the ol- you or two are the only people that know this. Where is it? Mm. Given what you had just said, I'm so glad I rolled that. Uh, that I, mm. I swear it was completely like there, there's a 19 on the die. This is question 19 for positive relationships between characters. Where is our secret hidey hole, Grisham? Jack, let's see. Oh, man. Probably yeah. the computer lab, because I feel like that's been shuttered off. I mean, I don't even know if Magic School even has a computer lab. <laughs> sure, but like... there's like, they're old. Like, a lot of magic stuff is like, hey, this is old, but it's magical, so who cares? So, okay, let's do this. Let's come History up. History class. Shop. Co- no, no, no. But what I was going to say is let's come up with a name that has not really been used before. And I would prefer it not to be something uh, derisive. For what is a general term for non-magic users that come from magic users. So because and specifically because whatever this class is that they're that they hang out at that's been shuttered for a while, it's blank studies. So I was kind of thinking hmm. mundanes, but that again sounds a little too derisive. Mm, uh, no arc? No, I like I, no I, not no, arcane. No. Uh put a pin in that one. Well, I was thinking the fact that, like, would we have decided that magic users would be, like, within the family homo or within the genus homo? But, like, I did, like, homo sapiens. Because, like, technically, modernly, I guess we're homo sapiens sapiens. So would they be, like, would it be, like, homo sapiens sapiens and homo sapiens arcanians or whatever you want to call them? I don't know naming conventions. Like. Homo sapien arcanus? Yeah. Like, would it be, like, homo sapien arcanus? I would say no for story reasons that we'll get into. Okay. I mean, we're all so fine. You, you, just... you could have all been not human. Uh, there are basically... Dang, do, I okay, know that was uh, So you can be whatever, whatever you want, pretty much. Like, basically, what it comes down to is there are no statistical differences. It's just that's who you are. If you, so if you want to be an elf or a gnome or... I don't know, uh, uh, a lizard gal. I have kind of an idea. You know how sometimes magic and like, you know, villains like that are kind of linked with extrasensory perception, like ESP or six senses, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What if you had a term that referred to people who did not have that as only having the five senses, like pentasensory studies or something like that? I'm leaning that way. Uh, Lauren, what was your suggestion? So this might lean into to both of those. I feel like the way to keep it from being derogatory is to make it an honorific. Even if it's not something in where, all right, my parents did not have magic, but now I do, you know, however magic gets passed along in the world, I think referring to just anyone else, you would refer to other people like your parents, your grandparents, your sisters, your brothers, like a lineage kind of thing. Like these are these are my progenitors. These are my, you know, yeah, maybe they don't have magic, but they they are still uh, important to me. So I wonder if. You know, and this this might tuck a little bit into that idea of a different species, but that idea of we're calling these two groups of people 
you know, th- these people by a different name that is more of an honorific because they are where we've come from, you know, and whether or not they have the ability to do magic, they're still important to us. So, so I was kind of rolling around in my head, like, like the words you would use for your ancestors, for, you know, grandparents, great grandparents, that kind of thing. I feel like we could just call it like postmodern technological studies. Okay, we can uh, do that too. I just, I'm kind of like thinking, like, what would anthropology actually call right, it? Right, but I, I was still hoping to come up with something that hasn't really been for, uh, like, how magical people would refer to non-magical people broadly. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna make a call here. I'm gonna say I really like Jack's idea that the notion of people who only have five senses versus people who have more than that. So why don't we cu- we say that um, non-magical re- uh, people are referred to as pentas? Okay. And then to circle back to where this all came from, the but calling this the uh, historical pentas studies in there is a classic computer lab. It's got what's in there. What 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 kind of stuff is in there? There's an Atari. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely got to have the Atari. All of, like, Commodore 64, like, the okay. 80s, like, computers, because, like, that was, like, oh, this is the next big thing. And then it just, they got all the technology there, and then they kind of just, all right, we spent our budget. We're not buying new computers. We're not using them. Okay. So it's all, like, computers and stuff like that, like, Macintosh 2s. <laughs> oh, oh there's, the there's iMac? Oh, color, yeah. Color oh. IMAX. There's one one of each so color. So I will also say because <laughs> they thought they would be yes, different. Exactly. Computers shouldn't work because they are very very old at this case. Oh yeah, they, they, but they magic totally do. But mm. magic. But magic. But magic. Okay. But since nobody uses them, that's uh that's where our storehouse is. That's where your storehouse is. Okay. So in post historical penta studies room, which is basically the computer lab, is where you guys hang out. Okay. I'm going to temper this next bit. I'm actually going to give Laura. If I may, and... Jonathan. Yes. When I'm talking to Grisham about it, I'll be like, hey, we have to go to the apple orchard. Yeah. <laughs> That's adorable, and I love it. The apple orchard. Nice. It, that that works on so many levels, including a callback to Travancore, and I love it. Yeah, nice. it's, it's real great. <laughs> oh, wow. I really like the idea that Evelyn's only interaction with Fredo is buying art supplies, and he was incredibly disappointed to find out that Evelyn wasn't talking in code <laughs> and was just legitimately buying like yeah. <laughs> like and and she's just like staring at him while he's like trying to figure out what the code is and she's just like I need cyan yellow. Cyan yellow or cyan yellow? <laughs> That's a big difference on cyan yellow and cyan yellow. Is there a price difference if you What's need? a little bit harder to get? Okay. Is there a quality difference? Eh, one's a paint and one. You can. Eh, it, it does some paint. I, I want paint. I want paint. This is what. Why now, would I ask paint, you to you buy me? Paint? Oh, jeez. <laughs> what is your intended use for your paint? I'm going to go up to the balcony overlooking the atrium. I'm going to recreate Jackson Pollock's primitive man. I need paint. Oh, you one of them artsy mm-hmm. farts. We're going to pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll get you a pain. Give me a couple of days. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. going to credit mm-hmm. that as answering question a 20 in the character you know positive uh, deal. What meaningful or important object did this character give you? There you Although go. Although there's a sale involved. Fredo is, is the after this interaction and like 17 more just like it where for some, Fredo's the only care, only person in the <laughs> school that she actively likes. <laughs> Fredo tells it like it is. Also, you can't do the accent without the hand. I, I, for our audience at home, I've had the hand the entire time I do this accent. Evelyn thinks it's performance art. This is why you get away with it. If she really thought this was who you were as a person, you'd be so screwed. But she thinks this is a performance, and so she's trying to be supportive of your (laughs) your shitty theatrical endeavors. If he's getting you the stuff that you need, then like he's he's useful performance art. So Evelyn one hundred percent believes that Fredo is constantly engaged in an ongoing performance art based on 
a viewing of The Godfather, <laughs> which can exist in this world. It's like wrestling kayfabe in the old days where you never break character. If you're a mm-hmm. bad guy in the ring, you're a bad guy everywhere else. Yeah. That's the great thing about this the thing is we don't have to be like, oh, that play, The Godfather. Nope. We, we can actually have The Godfather. They're somewhere in the library. Little does she know that he's never seen it. <laughs> Jack, I'm really glad you spoke up because I want you to tell me what is Grisham's relationship, if any, with Maureen? Would you say that it is a positive relationship? It's a negative relationship or you don't know them? I think Maureen and Grisham have classes together. Okay. And I think there's observations he makes, like when she answers questions or doesn't answer questions in class. But I don't know if it's positive or negative. It's just sort of like, uh, okay. Des- decide. I have to decide? Okay. Decide. All right. Well, can I, can I say yes. what Maureen thinks? And maybe okay. that'll, that'll color your opinion. Yes. Okay. Maureen thinks that Grisham is super cool because you've, you've got the magic that fixes her mistakes. And so she appreciates that. So she thinks you're super cool. Maureen is also the kind of person who tries to think the best about everybody. And so may may look at people with rose colored glasses. But definitely uh, Grisham is, oh, you can you can protect people. You can heal people. You're the person who fixes all the things that I do wrong. Great. So she's always been incredibly friendly to you. Okay, I think. The less Maureen asks Grisham to do in terms of, like, favors or whatever, I think Grisham is very naturally distrustful of people who ask him things, to do things. If it's sort of like just, for the most part, he leaves her alone, let, let she leaves him alone, and it's more of an admiration from a distance thing, he probably has no reason to dislike her, so I'll say positive. Okay. I think it's in the middle. She never asks you to do anything. She's never like, hey, hey, come heal me. But she's actively likes hanging out with you because she thinks you're super cool, so... Lauren, I want you to expand on this based on what I rolled Yeah. in the positive list. Why do you feel safest when this character is around? I feel like you've answered that already. We've had some <laughs> fortuitous rolling on the, uh, on the uh, character tables here, and we, we will, uh, we're almost done with this bit. So uh, why do you feel safest when this character is around? Uh, anything you didn't say just now? I do think this is the kind of thing in where she doesn't, ever ask you because you're a student you're you're not supposed to be cleaning up her mistakes that's what the teachers do but knowing that like hey that's what you specialize in and if we happen to be out you know in the, on the practice field and i make a mistake you can help and i think she's she's just got a lot of admiration for people who can do that because that's that's not something that she can do okay. you know and she knows she knows how destructive she is and wants to be so I think it started there like, oh, you're from Bison. I like you already. And then just hanging out like you're even keeled. You are you you like being quiet and she can kind of respect you and your personality. And so maybe maybe you put up with her as she prattles a little bit too much. But it's always in a friendly, happy manner. So, okay. so we'll go back to Jack and we'll say. Jules's character, would you uh, consider that a positive or negative relationship at this point? Or if you want to go neutral, oh, the neutral care, uh, uh, question is actually kind of interesting. So these are all great questions, Jack, but how does Grisham feel about Evelyn? I think he's curious about her art installations. I think that just aesthetically, it's interesting. Like, I think, like, objectively speaking, he thinks it's good art. But, um, but I think for the most part, because he doesn't know her that well, it, it's fairly neutral because, you know... Whenever someone's an influencer and a big personality, and at the end of the day, it's a, it's a, it's a school, but it's a high school, okay. you know? I think Grisham is naturally distrustful of the people who have high profiles. Okay. And this, so we will say, why was your only brief interaction with this character so positive? <laughs> oh, man. I think it's going to say, say it has to do with the umbrellas. I think it's really just, he looked up at the umbrellas and he saw her and he's like, I like it. And then that's it. Literally just walks away. All right. We're going to do one last uh, round of this, and I keep losing the question page. Uh, Jules, how uh-huh. does your character feel about Maureen? Well, we we, we kind of talked about that, that the umbrella incident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, no, I don't think it was the umbrella incident. I think it was like a separate oh, okay. thing because that went off very well. 
Oh no, that was the so you recorded her and put her on blast for, so, for the chronomancy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you broke yeah. the ceramic or something. Like it was something else that she's just like, and you did it, and you went, "Oops," and she went, and she just walked away. <laughs> so after that, would you consider the relationship neutral, positive, ne- negative? I don't know. I imagine that in Evelyn's mind, it's neutral. Because Evelyn, you broke something of Evelyn's and Evelyn was like, click, 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 and just sent it out into the ether. Took like three weeks before she did that to you, by the way, Uh, because she was just like, you broke something of mine and now I will break you. And then she did. And she's just like, okay, this is fine. The world is in balance for her. But I imagine that Maureen is believes that the reaction was well beyond it was not an equal and opposite reaction it was an outsized reaction i feel like if what you had done is got like a video of her doing the thing she's not supposed to do whether even it showed up on the video or whatever and then maybe in the process of her doing that thing she messed up one of your art installations and so for marine she's not even thinking about the art installation she's focused on the fact that you caught her doing something she doesn't want anybody else to know oh no she she set out to find you do that that's the thing you broke that art installation and she went "Uh uh-huh and then three weeks later she was like yeah yeah maureen dislikes you a lot but also knows better than to confront you directly about it so evelyn might be one of the few students that when they enter the room maureen leaves okay this is like everyone else in the fantastic. school is she's cool with, she likes, she hangs out with. And then Evelyn enters and Maureen just leaves. All right. Well, it's going to make us going on a mission real interesting. This, <laughs> hey, this, that's what this game is about. That's why there are all these questions. And actually, you guys, uh, without knowing it, answered a bunch of questions in that exchange. So I think that is going to wrap up our session got, zero. I got one more okay. uh, that I'm going to put out there. Fredo, are you the person who helped me get the magic that I'm not supposed to have? 100%. We're good friends. Excellent. It started out pretty neutral because you were a friend of Gresham, and Gresham's my buddy. He's my boy. He takes care of me. I take care of him. And I got you through association, and you started coming for small things, and then you asked for the big things. And I got you the big things, and I took care of you. And now you owe me a favor. I want to say that Fredo, like, he sees, like, like, Gresham as his buddy and his pal and his, like, amigo or whatever, like... I'll, I I'm going to say that it's not reciprocated. It's like, like, you know, maybe he thinks that, but for Grisham, it's just like, okay, he's a means to an end. Like, he's not a bad dude necessarily, but I don't think he feels that same closeness, and I think that's going to be a fun dynamic to play with. I like yeah. that everybody loves Fredo. He's the guy that can different, get stuff. Yeah. This, is, this is the subtitle of this game. It's Magic and Metal. Uh, subtitle, Everybody Loves Fredo. Everybody Loves Fredo. <laughs> I like the idea that, like, Evelyn, to support your performance art, pays you, but also will give you, like, checkered tablecloths and, like, you know, vases of, uh, like, carnations and, like, bottles of wine because she's just trying to get out the, the like, she assumes you are building an Italian-American restaurant somewhere in... <laughs> in the school and she's just like this is she's the patron of the arts as much as she is an art so jonathan are the fear and motivation for our characters that's something that we're going to go over later uh or? yeah be, because okay. that's going to be I, I think we fleshed it out i think you guys now oh, have a I better like mine. i wanted to yeah. share it but i'll wait we fleshed out everybody especially the interpersonal relationships so just take a look at your at the character sheets uh and <laughs> um, you know, fill out what they have. Uh, for stats, basically, it's pretty simple. You take your biggest die, you as- the d20, you assign that to your best stat, uh, what you feel you are best at in the categories of flight, fight, brawn, charm, brains, and grit. And then you start counting down d12, d10, d8, d6, and d4. There is an explosion uh, mechanic in this game. So even though you have a D4 in your lowest stat, if you roll a four, you take the four and then you roll again. And as if you keep rolling the highest that that die has, you keep rolling and uh, you don't stop until you don't roll a four. So that's going to be fun. It means that the, the things could be swingy even with your lowest stat. 
I think uh, that's probably a good place to end it. And if you yeah. guys have any questions, because I feel like anything else is going to be more mechanical and uh, and we can take care of that before we come back. But to end, I would like to read the prologue of our story and set the setting for this. Here we go. The world has ended, mostly. In the year of 2040, the human race is under siege. An evil AI called Stormnet has destroyed much of humanity, hunting down survivors with robotic troopers called Annihilators. With no way to defeat these waves of metal monsters, all seemed lost. However, there was another world. A world of magic. A world hidden from the eyes of normal people. A world of the mystic and arcane. A world of the unseen and sorceress. This world is of magic. The people of this world, wizards, sorcerers, warlocks, druids, and witches, all came out of hiding to aid the last of humankind. The fight against these steel soldiers has not been easy. Though these arcanists are powerful, so too are the steel soldiers of Stormnet. The losses have been great, so great that the students of these great schools are now being called upon to take up the fight. You all are students of one such school in the Americas, the Roanoke Academy of the Arcane. Your headmaster, Julian Fusselsnap, has gathered four of his best students for an important mission. The fate of the world, both mundane and magical, may be at stake. Dun, dun, dun. And that's going to be the world of metal and magic. Magic and metal? I don't know. It's an, I, I made a thing. It's, it's fine. It's awesome. I'm excited. I, I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing this world with everyone. I think that's one of the unique things about this game system is that even though I have an idea for a story, uh, you guys are going to be uh, just as important in fleshing it out. So I'm really, really excited for uh, this collaboration. And uh, as you can tell from uh, the beginning, <laughs> yeah, I... I <laughs> I, I like things, and we're going to be running this based on things that I like. I'm sorry that I introduced a character that may or may not have technology that could bring down the it's entire fine. school. I was it's I'm okay. sorry I brought in the magic mafia. <laughs> I'm not sorry. No, no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not sorry about any of you. I'm excited. As I said, you might mafia. be the last of the magic mafia, depending on how things are going. And, and Jules, the fact that you have a, a, a phone or, or that. Uh, uh, Evelyn has a phone that uh, somehow still pulls up like working Twitter and working Tumblr from, you know, circa 2005. That's fine. That That's just something it does. It's the intranet, yeah. guys. That's the thing. It's <laughs> like, I may be the last of the Magic Mafia, but that means I ain't got no competition. It's great. <laughs> Where are all of our parents? Are they dead? What you don't is, need to like, know my dad is. You know what? Hmm. I will leave that up to you. Given that intro, you might decide that your parents are off at another academy. You, your parents might be gone. I didn't say explicitly, but yeah, Stormnet nuked everything. I, I Yeah, that would be a good assumption. But yes, Stormnet and its army of annihilators. Hey, listen. Yeah. One of the best pieces of advice I got for homebrewing stuff is take the stuff you like and steal from it. So oh, yeah. this is this is just you having fun and we're here for it. Yeah. But I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. We will uh, convene for the first session of Magic and Metal. And uh, I can't wait. So until then, why don't we go back around the horn and uh, everybody introduce reintroduce yourselves and your characters. Lauren. Uh, I'm Lauren Urban. I'm going to be playing Maureen Eddings, an upper-class scorpion house, deadly, sneaky, gonna go back in time and blow you up person. All right. Jules. Hi, I'm Jules, and I'm playing Evelyn Ann Arthur, a uh, artsy-fartsy type. <laughs> uh, with a with a apparently an attitude problem, but who is in the uh, house of the Venus flytrap, uh, and her her magic ability is yet to be yet to be determined. But uh, she what magic she has is uh, she's selfish, is in service to her art. All right, Jack. All right, I am Jack Edithel. I am playing Grisham Vinod, an upperclassman, a member of Bison House. Basically keeps to himself, a uh, little bit smart aleck, a little bit surly, 
uh, mostly defensive, uh, distru- largely distrustful of people, but uh, but still willing to to able and reluctantly lend a hand. But even though he has a sort of fatalistic level set mindset. And finally, John. Hey, I'm John. Uh, I'll be playing Alfredo Branzini, the guy who gets things from Raccoon House. All right. Well, thank you all for for your wonderful contributions. I mean that. I, I was very excited to hear about all your houses, and I'm still excited to see where we go with this. Until then, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, then visit us at distinguishedadventurers.com. There you can find links to our podcast and social media, pictures and bios of our cast, info on our Patreon, and much more. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our Patreon patrons and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you, Forrest from Stabby Quest, Jesse Florence, Nate Zakari, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.